0: This is Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. Fiction and non-fiction, graphic novels and more, we're here to help you find something great to read. Hello and welcome to Books and Nachos, the Venganza Media Podcast about all things in print. I am your host, Stuart in LA, and we are talking about Jaws the Revenge, the book. That's right, the novelization of the horrible nineteen eighty seven movie. I don't mind spoiling the now playing review. Jaws the Revenge is Horrible, and we are going to be reviewing the book that's based on this horrible movie. Now Author Peter Benchley went back to the water for inspiration in several more novels after the mega-success of his first book, Jaws. He wrote about scuba divers plundering sunken treasure in the deep, modern-day pirates from the Bermuda Triangle in the island, a giant squid and beast, and even something late in his career called White Shark, which involved his favorite fish getting a genetic makeover by Nazis and crawling up on land to eat people. Seriously. But clearly, Benchley had no problem ripping off Jaws. Why he never returned to Jaws, well, that's anyone's guess. I I know that he had some hard feelings about the way it popularized shark murder, and he wrote about that later in his career. But he never did write a sequel or was never involved in writing the screenplays of his greatest success. And it's kind of hard to know why. Instead, when it was time to write the sequel novels... Universal Pictures commissioned pulp author Hank Searles to pen the tie-ins. That's Jaws 2 and Jaws The Revenge. They skipped Jaws 3D. I don't know why. Maybe it was a coloring book at SeaWorld. They didn't do Jaws 3D the book, but they did do Jaws 2, and they did do Jaws The Revenge. And it did fall on this unfortunate man who had had some success in Hollywood in the 60s. He was a bit past his prime, Hank Searles. Now, novelizations are really a thankless in it for a paycheck kinda gig for writers. And you know, I I think that Searles just needed that paycheck. Think about what he's being asked to do. He's taking a story he has no creative control in. He can't change anything that's wrong. He can't fix something that's inherently wrong with the movie. He has to be faithful to what the movie is. He is not watching the movie as he writes it. It's still shooting, so he has to go off a script, which may or may not even be a final draft, and may be being rewritten as we speak, and he has to keep up with all of that. So it's quite a headache. And at the end of the day, all you're really trying to do is not create great literature, but turn the dialogue and the stage directions into decent prose so consequently novelizations aren't something that I read a lot I I did as a kid to spoil the movie before I could go see them pre-internet they were great spoilers but for the most part I don't read them now I'm not even sure how many are really written I'll either skip the movie or I'll skip the storyline entirely and I think the last novelization I even read was Alien Resurrection for exactly the reasons I said I wanted to know what they were going to do with my favorite franchise. Under normal circumstances, I'd probably refuse to review a novelization for Books and Nachos. But this is not normal circumstances. This is Jaws the Revenge. And if you've donated $10 or more to our sister podcast, Now Playing, you know that I found this fourth installment of the Jaws franchise to be an absolute train wreck. So incompetent, I couldn't even imagine it having a script. So how is somebody going to write a book about it? It was only 75 cents... Literally 75 cents on Amazon, so I picked up Hank Searles' 313-page novelization to see how his concept for the story would tread water in print. Well, I'm actually shocked to report that Searles accomplishes the impossible. He takes a horrendous script full of plot holes and laughable situations and spins them into a thoroughly entertaining, still ludicrous, I'm, I'm not defending that it's a bad story, But it's thoroughly entertaining potboiler, so much more fun to read than Peter Benchley's original. I mean, I like Jaws the Revenge, the book, better than Peter Benchley's Jaws. That's shocking (laughs) to me, as I say it out loud. But how can it be? For one, Searles provides a clear motive for the shark's tropical spat with Lorraine Gary's Ellen Brody. And it isn't that she got a bigger trailer than him or her name above the title. I mean, this time it is not personal. Contrary to the movie's tagline, this shark is under the complete control of a voodoo shaman named Papa Jacques, who angered Ellen Brody's son, Michael, because he's exploiting the local people of the Bahamas, the poor, and pretending to heal them with his voodoo magic and taking them for all they're worth. And so, because Michael Brody is down in the tropics studying to be an oceanographer, getting his PhD, he's made it more difficult for Papa Jacques to... Bilk the local populace so Papa Jacques is going to pick a fight and he starts by controlling a shark and sending it after Michael's younger brother Sean who as if you've seen the movie same deal he's a policeman patrolling the docks of Amity Island and at Christmas time he's gulped down by a big great white that just happens to be there and so when Ellen Brody goes to the Bahamas there's a reason why it follows behind. This is not a smart and vindictive shark that's able to tail her plane. It is completely a atavistic creature summoned by Papa Jacques to find Ellen wherever she can run and make her a meal. I know that's not great, <laughs> but I know it's a reason. And I know that it's a B-plot reason. And because of the absurdity of it, I'm going with it. More than Jaws the Revenge the movie, which has absolutely no explanation for why there's a shark in waters that don't even have sharks. The other thing, Searles Pros really sells us on this silly revenge story. I took the bait. I don't know that any of this was actually filmed. I don't even think it was in a screenplay. I think this was Searles being handed the draft of Jaws Revenge saying, Are you serious? And just making it up. And nobody challenging him and saying, hey, you're not following the movie, because they probably knew the movie was not going to be any good either. So good for him for finding a creative way of keeping this screenplay going. I mean, making a sensible pulp out of a real horror show. And he finds so many interesting ways to do things with bit characters. Characters that have no payoff in the movie. The Lynn Whitfield character, Louisa, who's Mario Van Peeble's wife and she deals cards in the casino, has no real role in the movie. Is just there. Here in the book, she plays an active role. She is a voodoo priestess as well, or, or she's familiar with the arts, and she helps the Brody out in a mystical plane. I know that I said I recommended this. I know how this is sounding. You have to go with the B movie premise. I can't lie and say that they fixed what's silly about it. It's still silly. What I'm all I'm saying is I enjoy this more than Jaws: The Revenge, and it's a lot more fun than Peter Benchley's drippy, angsty, yuppie awfulness of the original Jaws. I mean, even that bad sculpture that Michael Brody's wife makes, it plays more into the climax here. Because there's voodoo in the air, everyone's picking up on it, and the wife is actually channeling that and creating a sculpture that she doesn't even realize it's supposed to be something warm and happy and welcoming for the beach, and it ends up being this really abstract, horrific version of the shark that's terrorizing them. Another major fix of the story on the page is this love story. If you've saw Jaws of Revenge, I'm sorry, you remember Michael does not approve of his mother dating Michael Caine's hoagie, who is uh, an operator of a rinky-dink puddlehopper plane transport business. And the way it plays in the movie, it's built around some weird Oedipal complex that Michael is just obsessed with his mother and who she's dating. He's more preoccupied when she goes out with Michael Kane than his horny wife who's always hitting on him and he's just not into her. And so it just... It looks strange. It looks like a real bizarre edible complex. On the page, there's a reason Michael doesn't like Hoagie. Michael knows that Hoagie is mixed up in drug smuggling in the Bahamas. And there's this whole Miami Vice-style subplot in which Hoagie is being targeted by uh, the rival drug lords who... Fear that he's moving in on their business for assassination. So, believe it or not, there's a cocaine cartel subplot and draws the revenge. Just as ridiculous as the voodoo shark, I know, but also makes it a whole lot more fun. Fills up the time when the movie is just laying there like a dead fish. It builds all the way into the climax where, if you remember the movie, they just sort of land the plane and the shark eats it. It's actually a much more involved chase sequence with drug dealers, gunfights, Michael and Hoagie taking kidnap and crashing the plane. There's a heavy named Lomas, and he's actually eaten by the shark, and we're rooting for that. Maybe that is too Miami Vice for a Jaws movie, but then I I, I guess my thesis here is, isn't the ridiculous far more fun than just no answers at all. Isn't it more fun to go there and be crazy and take this to the realm of something like a deep blue sea or a sharktopus than it is to pretend to make a serious Jaws film, which is what Jaws Revenge is. If you've heard that podcast, it's very clear to us that they thought that they were making a good one after Jaws 3. I say, really bad, fun B movie is a lot more entertaining than angsty, ridiculous, didn't know they were making such a horrible movie drama. And since the story has been set so far away from what Spielberg did, I'm just willing to go with it. I'm just willing to say they'll never get back to that. They'll never be able to recreate what Spielberg did with Jaws. So just go grandiose, as as crazy as possible. In the end, I guess I'd be a fool to recommend Jaws the Revenge, the novelization, to anyone. But... If you're a fan of Jaws and, and the series, and if you hated the movie as much as I did, or loved to hate it as much as I did, uh, you'll probably be fascinated by this read. It really does open new doors to some of the craziness that is unexplained in the movie. And he took 90 minutes of sheer stupidity and turned it into a semi-coherent, Always exciting sea tale Hank Strolls really made this a fun, fun story. And unlike Benchley's Downer, these characters are cartoons that hold our sympathies. They're not pill-popping miserables that we don't mind getting eaten by the shark, voodoo or otherwise. Well, that's my review of Jaws of Revenge. Thanks for joining me for this. I hope that you're enjoying Jaws, the series over at Now Playing. I'll be back to do a few more books I think one-offs this summer, if that's the plan, and I know that Arnie will be stepping up in the next few weeks as well to offer his thoughts on what he's been reading. But I'm going to give you an exclusive right now. that Nobody else knows this, but I will be back for sure in the fall to cover all the Thomas Harris novels because we will be doing over it now playing the Hannibal Lecter series. For our Halloween series, we're going to be covering Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, Red Dragon, and Hannibal Rising. And that's four books written by Thomas Harris that I'll be reading over here and giving you my thoughts at Books and Nachos. Also, we're going to have an extra donation series. There's going to be the regular donation series. That's going to be Exorcist. Go ahead and spill that for you now. The extra donation series is going to be the Thing Trilogy. The Thing from Another World, the 1950s classic, John Carpenter's Thing, and the reboot of The Thing that comes out October 14th. I'm going to be going back to the original story that was written by John W. Campbell. It's called Who Goes There? That's going to be covered in Books and Nachos as well. So we got a lot of exciting, horrific reads ahead of us, as well as some non-horrific. And I hope that you're able to keep reading and keep joining us. So until then, keep reading. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to books and nachos if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review on itunes and you can catch back episodes at our website booksandnachos.com. the music for books and nachos is the right prescription by chai weapon which can be downloaded at potsafeaudio.com books and nachos is copyright 2011 then media incorporated all rights reserved